All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton here to dig deeper with you during this Holy Week. On this Monday, Thursday, into the book of Revelation, the letter to the church in Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. Let's take a look at the text real quick. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of their works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this message, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with an rod of iron, as when earthen parts are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So far our text. All right, we go back to the first of our verses. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, where is Thyatira? What is it there for? Why do we need to know this? Well, Thyatira was known for its trades. Lydia from Acts 16 was a dyer of purple cloth from Thyatira. There is no record of a major religious life in Thyatira, but there were temples erected to Artemis, Apollo, and Terimnos, a sun god and patron god of Thyatira. But here, Jesus uses the title, the Son of God. And this is the only time it is used in the entire book of Revelation. Most other times when Jesus is referred to, it is as the Lamb. Here it is, the words of the Son of God, reminding us that Jesus truly is the Son of God. And Jesus goes on to say, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first, all great things. But this I have against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Why does nobody name their daughter Jezebel anymore? It just rolls off the tongue, right? Well, the reason is Jezebel was Ahab's wife and the daughter of King Ethbaal of Sidon, First uh, Kings 16.31. Her name doesn't appear in any later Jewish writings. John uses her name to point towards any sort of idolatry which she brought into Samaria. Sexual immorality is often used as a sign of idolatry. In the same way, sexual purity is used as a sign for proper worship of Yahweh. As we see in Amos 5.2, Fallen, no more to rise, is the virgin Israel, forsaken on her land, with none to raise her up. Or in Jeremiah 31, verses 3 and 4, 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Or 2 Corinthians 11, 2. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. So here we have that purity being seen as a sign of following after the true God, whereas the Baals and the Asherahs and all the rest of the pagan gods had some sort of sexual immorality involved in their worship. And so God says, or Jesus says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. All right, when we have the mind and heart, this could also be translated as thoughts and heart. Dr. Brighton says in his commentary, Nephros, which is translated here mind or thoughts, literally means kidney. But in Semitic languages, the kidneys were considered a seat, an organ or center of emotions, such as found in Job 19.27, Psalm 73.21, and Proverbs 23.16. The heart was the seat of thoughts, wisdom, and volition, as well as emotions. The two words together cover the full range of thoughts and emotions, as does the English translation, the innermost thoughts and the hearts. Jesus says, you will know, and all the churches will know, that I am the one who covers all sins, because I am the one who delves into all of them, knowing heart and mind, knowing everything about you, and still forgiving you all your sins. But again, that forgiveness comes and is given to you when you repent. Jezebel is being thrown onto her sickbed. Those who commit adultery with her being thrown into great tribulation. Her children being struck dead. Why? Because she refuses to repent. And so as we come to the end of the letter in 26, the point is to what happens to the one who conquers? What happens to the one who holds fast? The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with an iron rod, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. Here we have Psalm 2 coming in, verses 7 through 9 especially. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with an iron rod, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Almost verbatim what we have as the one who conquers. Why? Because it is the Son, the only begotten Son, who has conquered. And we are able to conquer through Him. And also he says, I will give him the morning star. Brighton says, the morning star was the last star to fade away with the rising of the sun. It was the most brilliant of the heavenly stars. Jesus Christ is called the star the bright morning one in Revelation 22:16. Lucifer the devil claimed to be such, but now has fallen. 
Isaiah 14, 12, prophetically proclaimed in reference to Babylon, but as a symbol of Satan's judgment himself, is that Satan seeks to be the morning star. Uh, so we also have in Numbers 24, 17, Balaam's prophecy of Jesus. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Seth. It is that star rising in Jacob is what Balaam refers to as the coming Messiah. The star that is there, which of course, whenever we talk about stars in Jesus, we go back to Matthew 2 and the visit of the Magi. So let's look at that again real quick. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star when it rose. The star coming out of Jacob. The scepter rising out of Israel. This is the Christ. This is the morning star, as he is the star who brings the eternal morning, as he shows us on Easter Sunday. Andrew Caesarea in his commentary says, By morning star, he means either the one of whom Isaiah spoke, how have you fallen from heaven, O day star, O morning star, Isaiah 14, 12, and of whom it is promised that he will be crushed under the feet of the saints, Romans 16, 20. Or the Lord means that one of whom the blessed Peter speaks, of the morning star who rises in the hearts of the faithful, 2 Peter 1, 19, clearly meaning the illumination of Christ. Who is the morning star? Truly, it is Jesus. Truly, again, bringing us word and understanding of his resurrection, of his eternal morning when he comes to bring us all home. That is what Jesus wants the people in Thyatira to focus on, the coming of the Lord, the morning star, so that they may look forward to the glory and the joy that is theirs when he comes to judge the living and the dead. All right, that's it for this week as we look at the letter to Thyatira. Next week, we move into chapter three and talk about the church in Sardis. 
But until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you for digging deeper with me into the scriptures. And I pray that this has helped strengthen you, especially during this holy week, to wrestle against the theologies around you. And as we are talking about Holy Week, there have been the readings of the Passions brought out at noon every day during this week. Starting Saturday evening, 7 p.m. Central, there will be devotions based on all 12 readings from the Easter Vigil service. Starting at 7 p.m. being put out every hour until 6 a.m. Easter morning so that they may prepare you, whether it's staying up overnight, keeping vigil with the church, or if it's later on and wanting to continue to strengthen your faith as you see the promises of Jesus coming through the Old Testament, peppering the Old Testament and God's people Israel with the promises of their salvation so that they could wrestle with the theologies around them and that you may wrestle with the theologies around you. Amen.